As we journey through life, something similar seems to happen to all of us. Somewhere along the way, we start to pick stuff up. Sometimes it starts in childhood where we feel like a second fiddle or the third wheel. In our teen years, we might experience rejection. We didn't make the team or we didn't get the grade. Then we drag that weight into adulthood and it affects us on a job, in our relationships, and it weighs us down in everything that we do. As a result, we just don't enjoy the journey of life like we should. Instead of letting the stuff go, we've gotten used to the weight. We continue to try to manage it on our own. But Jesus paid a price so that all of my failures, all of my mess-ups would be nailed to His cross. And He now offers to us a life of true and complete freedom. Let me ask you a couple of questions first. First of all, how many of you like to travel? All right, about half of you, not even half of you. If I was offering a free trip to Hawaii, how many of you would like to travel? I'm not, I'm just asking the question. Um, <laughs> all right, and so I know, what's up with that? Anyway, the budget won't allow it. I'd like you to go to Hawaii, uh, and I'd like to lead that group. But anyway, um, which would be better than a mission trip to Red Lake, I would imagine. Let's go on a mission trip to Hawaii, Amen. Amen, amen. The mission will be the mission trip. The mission will be some R&R. So, um, meanwhile, back at the sermon. All right, so uh, uh, y'all like to travel. How many of you like to, to travel to warm destinations that require an airplane in the wintertime or on a nice fall day like today, right? We, we wouldn't mind doing that. And uh, welcome to June in Minnesota. And, uh, and, and, and how many of you really, really enjoy the process of, you, you like the destination, Shelly and I, we've been privileged over the last several years. We budget plan to do a winter vacation someplace warm, in the wintertime, and, and how, how many of you, though, like when, when uh, the, the, the journey, the process that starts from packing your luggage, which Shelly starts like a week before, and I start about three minutes before we need to leave, and uh, we all get to the same place at the same time, so I don't know who's the better time manager, but anyway, um, you, you know, from the packing to the, and, and I imagine this group here, you guys probably, you know, getting luggage, putting it in some kind of vehicle and everybody's baggage and stuff, putting that in there. And, and so we know what that struggle is. And we'd carry it to the airport, get it into the checkout thing. And, 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 and I think that some people, in fact, I know that some people in order to bypass some of that pressure, that stress, that weight, whatever it is, um, we're now trying to do carry-on luggage. People are trying to pack everything for a week in their carry-on stuff and, and I I don't know how many of you have had this happen when you're traveling. I prefer to sit on an aisle seat. I try to get that aisle seat, Shelly, because she's so much smaller than I am. She gets always the middle seat, which never, she's not always real happy about that, but, but she gets the middle seat. And what I have found to be true is that when we're getting on a plane seated, People are coming in, you know, people are being seated and, you know, flight attendants doing the best that they can. And people, you know, it's like every other person has some kind of bag, pow, pow. Pow, and I can kind of deal with that for a little while, but after a while, I was like, are you serious? You're just now trying to do that. But my absolute least favorite is, and it, it never fails, it usually happens at least once, but there'll be the person who's seated across from me, and, and they'll come down the aisle, and, and they see the overhead compartment, and they'll do this. I'm sitting here, and they'll do this. <laughs> and it's like, 
all right, I know that's not an accident. It's like, come on now. I'm, I'm starting to take it personally. It's starting to bother me. And I found in life that my, my stuff that I got to carry to the airport, that's bad enough. And, and I am terrible about packing. I'm terrible about, I, I just, you know, I don't know what I'm going to need. So I just bring everything in case I, I need it and end up really, I need like a, two pair of shorts, a couple of swimsuits and t-shirts and I'm good. But I feel like I got to pack all the other stuff because there's pressure from somewhere, I guess. And I, I want to make sure that I have enough. And, and, and so when I finally get to that point when all of my luggage, all of my stuff is, is on the plane, then you can finally relax and take a little break. And, and, and I think that sometimes in a little bit of a weird way, life is a little bit like that as well. That throughout our lives, we tend to pick stuff up. We tend to, we tend to pick stuff up like you heard in the, in, the, in the little opener. We pick stuff up in childhood or in our teen years. We pick up stuff in life that, that really we shouldn't carry around with us. And, and I know that when we're going on vacation, the summer thing in the winter, that's awesome for us. Warm weather, beach, whatever it might be. And we love the destination, but the journey's not so exciting. The journey's not quite as much fun as actually being there. In fact, I've said many times, I wish that there was a, a, a fast forward and a pause button so I could fast forward to my destination, pause when I get to my destination, uh, uh, mute sometimes some people that might be around at the destination, that kind of a thing. But, but there isn't any of those things, is there? And, and life is just that way. And sometimes we pick up stuff in life that we're not designed to carry. We get tired carrying it around. And it isn't the destination, because I think that for the most part, most of us as followers of Christ, we're headed in the generally the right direction. We're headed in the right direction, but I'm concerned that a lot of people aren't enjoying the journey of life as much as they should. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life. Everybody say life. I've come that you would have life and have it more what? More what? More what? That you would have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to have abundant, full, extreme, to the brim. He wants you to have that kind of life. It's full and ever, ever, it's just life to the extreme. Actually, the, the Greek word life is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. And it means extreme. It means full. It means blessing. It means health. It means prosperity. It means favor. It means grace. It's life like God has. That's what he wants for you, not when you get to heaven, but he wants that life for you here on planet earth right now. That's really what he wants. He wants you to enjoy that full life. And so in this series, we're gonna be trying to answer some of the questions. Why don't we have that full life? Why don't we experience life in the extreme? And many times it's because we're pulling stuff around. We're dragging stuff that we aren't designed to carry. Stuff from our past, stuff that people have said. In fact, the apostle Paul in Galatians chapter five and verse one, he said, it was for freedom. You've been set free for freedom. Read this. There it is, Galatians 5, 1. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Why did he set you free? So that your life would be full of freedom, not full of weight, not full of oppression, not full of chaos, not full of things that don't cause peace, but things that bring life to you. And what we'll, what we'll find out in the next couple of weeks, and I think that this is an important key to consider, we're gonna hit some things that um, 
I wish there were an easy way, easier way perhaps to address them. And, and I feel like maybe over the next couple of weeks we might hit some things that, that are, are, are painful for people. And I don't like to do that. We're joy. We want to have fun. But there are things that stop us from having the joy that God brings to us. There are things that stop us. And, 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 and some of the weight, some of the stuff that we carry around, it comes from our past. It comes from, from, from mistakes that we've made, things that we did that we wish we wouldn't have done. We live with the pain of regret and like a weight, man, we just, we ended up taking it. We ended up carrying it around with us. And for some people, unfortunately, it's become so common. We're so used to it that life any other way would just seem ridiculous. It's just like that's a part of us. And so some of the baggage comes from our past. Some of the baggage comes from the people around us or the past people, people from the past. And, and, and whether it was words that they said, a, a coach, a teacher, a parent, a, a friend, or, 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 or things that hurt that cut deep. And we carry that weight around. We, we carry that stuff around and we're not designed to carry that. We aren't designed for, for that kind of a life. Jesus said again, I've come that you'd have life and have it abundantly. And there's a scripture that you'll probably hear more than one time in this series, but there's a scripture that a lot of us have kind of condensed and, and, and we quote it like this. We would say that the truth will make you free or the truth will set you free. How many of you have ever heard that? That's actually in the Bible. Some people are, I thought Jim Carrey said that in some movie or something, but, but that's actually in the Bible. The truth will set you free. And there's a lot of Christians though, a lot of Christians who might kind of push back and say, wait a second, if the truth sets me free, and I'm, if I'm really, really honest, there's some, there, there's some pain from the past. There's anger that pops up. There's fear that, that kind of drives in my life. And, and, and I'm not really free from those things. What's the hangup? What's the problem? And we tend to look at ourselves and say, you know, you know, there's something wrong with me. Well, Jesus encountered some disciples in John chapter 8. And uh, he made some statements to them that I think that are, are really important for us to consider. And I want to read this from the message because really this series is really about how to experience freedom, how to embrace or engage that freedom that Christ has set us free with. And, and it says in John 8, 31, it says, then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. He was speaking to believers like you and I. He was speaking to them. And he said, he started this whole thing off with an if, he said, if you stick with this, and I, I, I like that because there's a tendency in the Christian life to not stick with things. We try things for a while and then we try something else and then we try something else and sometimes we tried so many things that our trier is broken and we just settle. We're not, we, we haven't run away from God, but we've just kind of become a settler. The Bible says we're supposed to be a pilgrim, a, a sojourner. We're, we're, we're on a journey. We aren't to be settlers. Look at the person next to say, don't settle. Well, some of you are preaching a whole sermon to him. All right. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth and the truth will free you. If you stick with this. Now, what would cause me to not want to stick with this truth, with his word? Well, events of life, circumstances of life, pain of life, all of those things. Those are things, those are temptations. Those are things that could stop me or try to stop me from sticking with it. And how many of you found out no matter what it is in life, 
No matter what it is in life, whether it's trying to be thankful and grateful, whether it's a diet, whatever it is, I mean, whatever it is in life, when things are going really, really well, it's pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, if, if there's enough money in the bank and, you know, mama's happy and the kids are happy and the dog is happy, then I'm happy, right? Because everything's going good. I don't have any problem sticking with stuff when everything's going good. It's when stuff isn't going good that I tend to have a problem sticking to things, and I think that sometimes as followers of Christ, we run into the same thing. That it's kind of easy to sing our praise to Jesus. It's, it's kind of easy to live a Christian life as long as everything's going our way. But we have a difficult time sticking with it when things aren't going our way. When mama's not happy, the kids aren't happy, the dog bites you. Then all of a sudden, you know what? This whole Christian life thing is not as much fun as I thought that it was going to be. And so Jesus said, if you stick with this, living this out, then you will experience something. And here's what you're going to experience. You're going to find out that, that God, God's ways are not only awesome and wonderful and great when everything's going good, but if you will apply this truth, if you will apply his word when the things are difficult, you will live out something, you will prove out something that God's way is better than your way, that his ways, even though seemingly higher than your ways, uh, sometimes unattainable than your ways, are something that are much better than your ways. And if you'll stick it out, you will prove out this truth and then that truth will bring freedom into your life so that the very next time that you encounter a difficult thing, you will remember like David, I killed a lion, I killed a bear. This giant's not gonna be any problem for me because the same power of God that helped me with the lion is the same power of God that helped me with the bear is the same power of God that will help me with the giant. And it's the same thing in our lives. And so Jesus said, if you stick with this, if you stay with this, if you continue in this truth, you will experience it and then that will result in freedom in your life. And so just like in life, we tend to, to, to pick things up. We tend to pick up stuff and, in life. And I wanna try to replace some thoughts uh, for you this morning and really throughout this series. And one of the things that I think is important to consider, first of all, is where does the baggage come from? I'm convinced that there are people that have baggage, they don't even know they have it anymore. They're so used to it. We've grown so accustomed to it. We've learned to, to, to walk with the weight, if you will, the, 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 the drag that it produces in our life. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it says that we're on this journey and that we're to run our course, finish our course with joy. That we're to run this race, race in an un, unencumbered way, that we finish it with joy. And I think that some people are not running their race, they're walking their race, they're tired, they're struggling to the finish line, and that's not how life should be. So where does this baggage come from? Where does this junk come from? I, we've talked about this a lot, but one of the places that it comes from is unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. That expectation that, it, that, that something is gonna happen, something is out there, they're going to do something or they're going to say something or they're going to give or do or be and something is gonna happen. Ed McMahon's gonna knock. Uh, Ed McMahon can't knock at my door. That would be creepy if he did. He's dead. But... <laughs> Publisher's Clearinghouse is going to knock on my door or I'm going to win the lottery and, uh, or, you know, whatever it could be or might be. And, and those repeated disappointments, 
that those unfulfilled expectations does something on the inside of us. In the book of Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12, it says that hope deferred, hope that's put off, it makes your heart sick. Your heart is that blood pump. It is that part of your life. I'm sorry, the heart is not the blood pump. The, the heart is the, the inner working. It's your spirit, man. It's, it's what's on the inside of you. And that's where faith is produced. It's where the life of God resides. And hope that is deferred, hope that is put off, it makes your heart just a little bit sick. It doesn't work the way that it should. And so the, the, the unfulfilled, and I think sometimes it's not just unfulfilled expectations, it's unrealistic expectations. Sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of people around us. Un, un, unrealistic expectations of our parents that they'll never let us down, that they'll, that they'll never make a mistake or a spouse or a child. It's un, sometimes it's unrealistic expectations about God because for some reason we think that when we made Jesus the Lord of our life and got saved, then we're just gonna kind of sail through life. We're not gonna have any issues, any problems anymore. And some people struggle when it's like, wait a second, I thought this Christian life was gonna be a lot easier. As we've said many times, Christianity is simple, it's just not easy. And there are things that, that in Christianity, that Christianity calls us to, that it's kind of simple to understand, it's simple to connect the dots to the application, but it's not that simple when the people around us maybe don't agree with us or when the people around us maybe are gonna mock us and laugh at us. And so un, un, unrealistic, unfulfilled expectations is one of the places that we pick up some of this baggage. Sometimes it's from pain, it's pain from the past that's never really been resolved, it's never really been dealt with. And we've all experienced this, I believe, to a certain degree. We've all felt the pain of, the, uh, of this, uh, whether it was a failure, whether it was a relationship breakdown, a business failure, if it was maybe you being bullied as a kid, who knows? Maybe you were the bully as a kid. Uh, whatever it is, the, those things that, that kind of hang on and we sort of push them aside. There's an interesting scripture in the book of Jeremiah, and it says this, they try to heal my people's serious injuries as if they were small wounds. They say, it's all right, it's all right, but really, it's not all right. And how many times have you and I stuffed pain, we've stuffed stuff, anger, whatever it is, and we've said to people, ah, it's all right, I'm good, I'm good. And really, it's not. It's not good. And what we've done is we've stuffed that pain and that weight gets heavier and it gets heavier. And then all of a sudden we have an eruption. Something pops out and we're like, we're wondering where it came from. Everybody else is wondering, where did that come from? We've had those experiences. And we need to learn that when it comes to this baggage, there is a place that we can go to with it. And we can drop it off and we can leave it there. And, and then the third thing that I think is really something strongly to consider, and that's an unhealthy view of who we are, an unhealthy view of, of ourselves. And, and in our last series, the filter series, we talked a lot about that, uh, about how that we use things. We try to cover up what we think we are, what, who we see that we are, and maybe who people have said that we are. And we really need to discover the image that God has given to us, that he's created us as a new creation in Christ, that the old things passed away and all things have become brand new. I like this in the, in, the, in the book of Romans, the message version again. It says, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he has, by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. 
The only way, the only way to understand our, our, ourselves is by who God is and what he's done for us. Again, if we start with us to try to consider or measure God, we will always end up in the wrong place. We always have to start out with the original intention. What was in the mind of God when he gave you and me life? What did God have planned? What was he thinking about? And some of you are like, God, what were you thinking? Because we're a mess, you know, or they're a mess, whatever it would be. And so, and so the only way that we can do that is, is not by what we are and what we do for him. And, and many of us have, have settled for a Christianity that is, I think I would call it a checkbox Christianity. You know, there's the box, you know, church, prayer, read my Bible, be nice, you know, do my chores, this, give, whatever it is, you know. And, and there's the checkbox, and you look, you're like, nope, 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 nope. Well, you know what? <laughs> We all fall short, we all miss it, but there's still grace, there's still God, there's still love. In the, now, I'm not saying let's just, you know, let's just let all those obligations or responsibilities, let's just let them all slip by. That's not what I'm saying to you. Don't let those things derail you because those aren't the things that define you. What defines you is what was God's purpose for your life? Why did he give you breath in the first place? And what defines you is what he has put on the inside of you. When you became a new creation in Christ, the old things passed away and all things on the inside became brand new. There's a new life on the inside of you, amen? So once we begin to identify, first of all, we've got some baggage, we've got some past issues, we've got some hurts that need to be resolved. Once we identify, once we begin to consider those things, something else needs to happen. And let me tell you what that is, but let me kind of go back to the travel thing. I've learned a very valuable lesson uh, uh, from, from traveling. My wife and I are wired differently. And, and, and that's obvious on a lot of levels, but but but... You know, there are things that, that aren't necessarily right or wrong. They just are. And, and we see things differently. And so I'm a person, Shelly and I are, are, are very different in some things and very, very much alike in other things. And so when it comes to traveling, though, my wife is very prompt. She wants to be early. If you're on time, you're late, that kind of a thing. I'm not wired that way, and I apologize. I know that it drives her crazy. It drives people crazy. I'm just not wired that way. And if the piece of paper says, be at the airport two hours early, my wife wants to be there two and a half hours early. And there's something, though, that happens. After you've gone with your luggage and you check it in and you do all that stuff and you go through the inspection, the uh, TSA stuff, you get your approval, you walk through those things, take your shoes off, now you're putting your shoes back on, belt back on, and you're going to the gate. You finally, you get to the gate and you sit down. Because <sighs> now all you're waiting for is to get on your flight to get to your destination. And there's a calmness, there's a peace that washes over people. And, and my wife and I both appreciate that. There's that peace and that calmness. And she likes to get to that place way before I like to get to that place. Because my thing is, I would rather, I would rather get to that place, to that gate. And, and, and this is what I would love. This is, this is like the perfect scenario. We're now boarding your flight. 
because I don't want to wait in any line any longer than I have to wait. And so I will drag my feet. My, my thinking is really, it's really faulty thinking, but my thinking is, all right, I could be there two hours early with all the other people that are going to be on my flight, or I could be there 90 minutes early, and I could be at the end of the line and just walk right up because everybody else is being there early. And, and so I could just bypass that line, and everybody else is through the, 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 the inspection. What is that called now? The... the Security, thank you. Everybody's through security, and I just kind of stroll through and, and, and then get to the gate, and everybody's just walking onto the plane. I'm just walking on with them, but it never works out that way. Because I'm usually like, we're hustling, we're running, we're like, you know, one shoe on, one shoe off, trying to buckle our belt, and we're, you know, trying to do all of that stuff. I missed, my wife reminded me of this. I missed, and this is embarrassing, I missed two flights <laughs> the same afternoon. In Dallas, Texas, I can't blame it on anything other than stupidity. <laughs> you know, if you've ever been at DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth Airport, it's kind of in a circle. So I walked through the security checkpoint, walked to the gate. I walked up to my gate, and I see my gate, flight to Minneapolis. I'm giving you, I'm defending myself because I have some baggage. And so <laughs> I see Minneapolis. I see the time. I kind of look over and say, oh, there's a pizza hut. And, and so, and I didn't go to the pizza, but I just started walking. And I'm walking, and the thing's in a circle. I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking. I walk, because I'm early. Way early, actually. And so I'm walking. You know what? I have to take that back. I wasn't early. I was late. And for the first time ever, I'm going to give you this whole long story. Hang on. I don't even know why. But anyway, it's a funny story. So... I left you hanging. I got to tell you what happened. So I actually got to the, to the gate, to the uh, security checkpoint late. I ran through. Everything beeped. I had change in my pocket. Got the change out. I got to the gate. I got to the door. And they were closing. The door was actually closed. I could see the plane. And they said, you've missed your flight. I said, no, I didn't. It's right there. I found it. <laughs> Sorry, sir. We can't open the door. Yes, you can. I'm sure you can. It's just a thing right there. You can open the door. No, once the door is closed, you, it's like heaven and hell. Once the door is closed, you can't come in. I was like, you're kidding me. They have an actual rule like that? So I'm not the only one who's ever showed up like Anyway, so, so I missed that flight. That one was understandable because I got lost on the way to the airport. But anyway, so, this, so then I sit down at my gate. I see the Pizza Hut. I started walking because I had a lot of time to walk. So I walked, 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 walked. Well, I came back. I saw a Pizza Hut. I saw a gate. I sat down. And then I'm watching, and it's like, man, people aren't, what's the deal? The flight's pretty soon, not many people here. Well, I was at the wrong gate. There's more than one Pizza Hut at the DFW airport. So I had to call Shelly a second time, hey, I missed that flight. I'm sorry about that. So then I went down, and I got, and I made it home. So anyway, regardless, but it was one of those quiet rides. And so on the way home, and it was the last flight. I was sweating bullets on that one. But anyway, um, where the heck was I? Squirrel, yeah, exactly, exactly, shiny object. Anyway, um, Pizza Hut, yeah, no, that wasn't it either, no. There, there's, a, there's a calmness and a peace that happens when we finally got into the place that we need to get to, and, and, and I have now learned, my wife was right, 
and it's better to get there early. It's better to be able to enjoy that stroll through the airport, stop, get a cup of coffee, and maybe a muffin, just walk, sit down, eat, enjoy, and thank God for technology that I can actually do something, you know, either productive or non-productive. I can read something while I'm waiting because that makes the waiting a little bit more tolerable. But my whole point is that that's what God wants for us. He wants for us to be able to arrive at our destination, but before we arrive there, he wants for us to live with peace. He wants for us to live with joy. He wants for us to be able to walk in a way that is unencumbered. He doesn't want us dragging around this kind of stuff through life that affects us in such a way that we don't fulfill his purpose and his reason that he's given us breath and life in the first place. So in order to help in those in the next couple of weeks, let me give you a scripture and something that we're going to kind of be talking about quite a bit. But in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, it says this, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. In other words, we need to consider some different weapons. We need to consider a different way to fight. Whether you realize it or not, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you stepped into a battle. You stepped into a fight. And because you are now fighting something, you have an adversary, you have an enemy, and you are in a battle. You need to not use the weapons that you used to use before. Instead, you need to learn to use some new weapons. Verse 4 says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. There will be things that you will encounter in life that the world's solutions won't work for you. There are some people who want to drown their sorrow and their pain with alcohol or with drugs. Others uh, have relational wounds that they're trying to fill with more sex and, and other things. And those things don't work. And I, I, I'm not at all throwing stones at, at, at therapy or counseling. Those things can be so valuable in helping you pinpoint issues. But ultimately, there are weapons. Ultimately, there are things that God wants to give you that are a part of his arsenal that will work for you. In verse 4, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. God has given you something that has divine power that will demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is something that has a stronghold on your life. It's really, really deep. It's got a, it could be fear. And fear could have such a stronghold on your life that it's impossible for you to operate in faith. And it could be because of something that happened in your past or some kind of a failure, a financial crisis, something. But now fear dominates your life. Others of you, it's, it's, it's you know, insecurity. And those things dominate our lives, but God has given us a divine power that helps us to demolish strongholds. The word stronghold uh, in the Greek, it means this, a prisoner locked in by deception, living life by something that's not true. When something is a stronghold, what Paul was talking about, there are thoughts, thoughts that work their way up in your thinking that have the front row, that have a, a, a very prominent place in your life. And eventually those thoughts become truth. Some of this baggage becomes truth. It becomes true to you. But I wanna encourage you this morning that just because it might be true to you does not mean it is true. There are people today, I kind of learned to not like this saying a lot, but it's like, I'm just living my truth. Or others who used to say, well, that's just who I am. 
Well, it may be who you are, but you don't have to be who you, you don't have to be a jerk ticking everybody off. Amen. You don't have to be some crabby person. You don't have to be some quiet church mouse, afraid of everything. There's a life that he sets you free, and, and it is for that freedom. It is for that joy. It is for that life that he wants you to encounter some of these things that bring freedom into your life. And so a stronghold, again, it is something, it means to be a prisoner locked in by deception. And there are things that you think about yourself, perhaps believe about yourself. There are things that you have gotten so comfortable with that you don't even know that it's a part of your life. And God is looking at you saying, I, I, I want to bring freedom to your life. He goes on in verse 5. And he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to, to make it obedient to Christ. So let me kind of give you maybe a, 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 try to act it out just a little bit. There's 106, uh, 168 hours in a week. 168 hours in a week, you sleep some of those hours, you eat some of those hours, you're you know, doing life in all of those hours. 168 hours. For, so for 168 hours every week, you are getting beaten, you are getting battered, machine gun fire, bap, 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 bap. thoughts are attacking you. Wow, thoughts are, thoughts are, th thoughts are coming after you, just boom, boom, boom. And most of those thoughts aren't good thoughts. Because again, you have an adversary. The Bible in the book of Revelation calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. And so you have these lies from the pit of hell that are peppering your life. You're not good enough. You didn't, did do, you didn't read your Bible. You didn't pray. You should have been in church. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have saw that. You shouldn't have said all of these thoughts that are attacking your life. And then I get for about 30 or 40 minutes on a Sunday, I get to tell you something different. And I want to, in this series, I want to give you some different thoughts because you have thoughts of who you are. You have thoughts that have been planted, whether it's words that people have said to you or things that have happened in circumstances of life or, or the enemy himself, whatever it could be. But you have these thoughts. And God says, I want you to take captive every thought and make it obey Christ's thoughts. I want you to control what you think about I want you to control what you think about you, what you, can, what you think about the circumstances of life. Listen, listen to this in Ephesians chapter four. It says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Christianity 101, you are not who you used to be. Quit living that way. That is, that is the walk of faith. It's the living out of faith. It is, it is being a doer of the word that we put off who we used to be, put off the former way of life, the old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires, verse 28, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. To be made new where? In your thinking. In your thinking. You need to change your ways of thinking. And as I said, in this series, what I, wanted to, I just want to give you thoughts. I want, to, I want to give you some thoughts to exchange for what maybe you have been thinking in the past. And so here, here's a couple, very quickly, a couple things. These are intuitive. We know these things, but, but let me just start here. Number one, God can free you. He really, really can. He really, really, really can. God can free. God is really, really good at this. There is not a lock that the enemy would have that, the, that God doesn't already have a key for it. And if there's not a key, he's got a bolt cutter. <clears throat> it just, it's good. 
He's good at it. He, he, he can set you free. He wants to set you free. Romans 8, 1, this is the message again. I chuckled when I read this. I, I, I read verses, and I, I've said this before. I want to reiterate it. There are times that I think that a different translation, there's a, there's a problem. When we hear the same translation over and over and over and over and over again, my feeling is, and, and maybe it's just me, but, but my feeling is when I start to read it, it's like, oh, I know what that says. I sort of go into neutral. It's like, oh, I heard that. I, I know where that. But when I read it in a different translation, and I know some translations are better than others, I understand that. Trust me, I, I'm not trying to lead you astray because of some, you know, ungodly transaction, tra translation. It's not my point. My point is I'm trying to get you to think about it differently. And so when I read this, I, I just kind of chuckled. Verse 1 says, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Paul had been saying, oh, oh wretched man that I am. He said, he, he said, I, I want to do what's right, but I do the thing that's wrong. And the thing that's wrong, I find myself doing. Anybody ever like that? I know what the right thing is, but I just did the wrong thing. And we get mad at ourselves. And, and so he's responding. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is, is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-flying black cloud. A new power. Everybody say new power. There's a new power. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. It is the law of sin and death spinning its web of lies that tells you that you're not good enough, you'll never measure up, that, that, that you know God is angry at you and he's just waiting for you to get a line to whack you. Those kinds of things hold us prisoner. And we don't enjoy the journey. And God wants to bring freedom to us. Secondly, God will restore you. The idea of being restored means to be returned back to the manufacturer's specifications. We're factory, we're factory new again. And, and next week we'll talk more about this. But Adam and Eve, that was God's plan. Adam and Eve, he wanted to fill the entire planet with people like Adam and Eve who had a face-to-face -face relationship with God. And that got destroyed because of sin. But now the Bible says that, that God is, is able to. He will restore you. In Psalm 103, it says he fills my life with good things. That's new for some of you, but God is that God. God will fill your life with good things. God will fill your life with good things. And he says, my youth is renewed like the eagles. God wants to bring strength and Man, just deliver you back to who he, the original design that God had for you. And then lastly, and this is so important, it's, it's, it's again, one of the, it's a church thing, and if we're not careful, we, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that. But God still loves you. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last week or last month, last year, or a lifetime ago. God loves you. God loves you. He is head over heels in love with you. In Romans 5, 8, it says that God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think this is one of the most powerful love scriptures in the Bible because so many people are trying to check the box to earn God's love. We're trying to be good enough so that God will love us. And God says, before you were ever good enough, in fact, while you were awful, I chose to love you. Because love is his nature. That's who he is. He is love. We have three children. My wife and I, Shelly and I, we have three kids. And I love my children. Before any of them were ever born, I loved them. While they were developing in the womb, I loved them. I didn't know them. In fact, for a while, we didn't know if it would be a boy or a girl. 
except with Zach, we knew that would be a boy. But we didn't know. I didn't know anything about anything when it came to our children, but I knew I loved them. And then the kids are born. How many of you as parents, you know that once in a while your kids can be a pain in the tuchus? Amen? They make mistakes. But you don't stop loving them, do you? In fact, sometimes they make the mistake and you love them so much, all you want to do is help them. You just want to be there. You want to work through it with them. You, you want to. And, and, and why do we think we're so much better than God? Because that's what God wants. When you go through a difficult time, when you've failed, when you've messed up, God isn't like, well, you stupid idiot. What's wrong with you? He's like, man, I just want to help you. I just want to pick you back up. I want to brush you off. I want to get you back in the fight. I want to get you going. See, he's a loving father. Listen to this in 1 John chapter 4. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. And I think there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that know about God's love, but they don't really know it. And I'm not sure that they believe it. You see, we think, well, God kind of loves us, but there's two or three things back in the background there that, eh, you know, I don't know. No, we have known and believed. I have known a stake or two in my life. And I have known a Dairy Queen blizzard a time or two in my life. See, that word know is different. I, I don't just know about it. I've experienced it. And I've tasted and I have seen how good a Dairy Queen blizzard is. Woo-wee! I will break a diet for one. That's how strong I am. Mm, 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 mm. But church, I want you to, as your pastor, I want you to know how much God loves you. In spite of the baggage, the stuff that weighs against you. He goes on and he says, God is love. He doesn't just love, he is love. And he who abides or lives, chooses to live in that love, abides in God and God in him. You have a choice. You have a choice this morning. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads and to close your eyes. If you're here today and first of all, you say, well, you know, Pastor Brian, I, I, it's all good, it's good, it's good. Now, maybe it's not so good. I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit open your eyes. Maybe there's some, some stuff that you've just thought that's just the way it is. It's just the way I am, but, but really it's not the way you are. You're being held in by deception. You're being imprisoned by a lie. You don't have to, you don't have to live that anymore. Or maybe you're here and you know exactly what it is. You know exactly what it is. And you've almost been afraid to let go. You've almost been afraid to try. Some of you have tried before and it just doesn't seem like you've gotten the freedom, the victory in that. And I wanna encourage you, God can deliver you. God can and will set you free. And so Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus and I thank you for your word. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Holy Spirit that has taught us. And we believe, Heavenly Father, that the Spirit of God is here and the power of God is here.
to begin to breathe, to begin to blow, to begin to, to move in our lives. And so, Father, we act and we choose today to let go. We declare our freedom song today. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that as you watch over us, as you rejoice over us, that your strength becomes ours and we lay aside every care. <clears throat> we lay aside every weight. We lay aside the sin that so quickly and easily trips us up. And, Father, I thank you that we can run in a way that we are free and that, Father, we rejoice in you. And so, Lord, we believe that throughout this series, you're going to bring degrees of freedom into our life so that we can live and fulfill the plan that you have for us. And we thank you for all of those things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're so happy you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, we invite you to join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear about it. We invite you to email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.